Welcome to the High Vibe Podcast, a show created for women who want to elevate their health, mindset, and spirituality. I'm your host, Tori Nishino, corporate girl turned full-time online health and lifestyle entrepreneur. Join me every week for a high vibe conversation that will inspire you to live your best, healthiest, and most high vibe life. Are you ready? Let's go. What is up, my beautiful people? So today's podcast episode is a little bit different. I brought a guest on, Erica Gutierrez, who is a shuffler, working on being a life coach, mathematician, like just an amazing, amazing human. And both of us really shared our experiences today on white privilege and our ignorance and awakening to this issue that has been systemic in our system for centuries and the injustices that is happening to the black community, what we have learned, what we have self-reflected on, the conversations that we're having, how to deal with people that have these systemic biases and are racist, and really how we're learning and educating ourselves on how to move forward through all of this and be lifelong allies. So we talked talk about voting, political reform, how to have conversations with people and friends, how to find your lane and your path in this movement, and really what we've learned. And we also have linked in the show notes some of our resources that we have used to educate ourselves, documentaries, social media influencers of the Black community that have shared with us their voice and their insights and their knowledge. So I hope that you find this podcast episode very helpful. Um, It is more geared towards people in the white community. And if you're confused on how to show up and maybe ashamed of your own ignorance on the situation, we we share very raw how we have been very asleep. And because we weren't directly impacted to all of the injustices that were happening in the Black community, that We didn't really take action. We didn't really further investigate everything that was happening, right? Because this isn't the first time that we've seen a video of a police killing a black person. And the fact that, you know, this is now the time that everyone in the country and around the world is finally waking up and taking a stance and saying, this is not okay. And we're all feeling so many different emotions from anger to shame, to hurt, to sadness. I think is all okay. You're okay to feel those things. Those feelings are valid, but how can we take those feelings and fuel them in the right direction of action? And that is what we talk about in today's podcast episode is very real, raw conversation. We didn't have a lot of direction. We just wanted to share our perspective and our views and hopes to help you find your footing and your path and sharing what we're doing and what we're realizing. So I hope that this podcast episode is helpful for all of you that are not in the black community that are wondering what you can do to show up, what you can do to contribute, what you can do to educate yourselves on the issues at hand and the issues that have been going on. And so if you enjoy this podcast episode, please share it with a friend or share it on your stories and tag me and Erica. I will link her social media handles below. And if there's anything else that you feel called to talk about or you want us to discuss further and you want me to address and talk about, please send me a DM. I'm always here for feedback. I'm always here for dialogue, peaceful dialogue, of course. So 
please let me know if this podcast episode was helpful for you and we will tune into the show. All right, Erica. So today as we are recording this, how are you feeling about everything that has unfolded in the last, since Memorial Day weekend, I said, I would guess since George Floyd, like there's been a big movement on social media. There's been big movement all across the country with protests in every single state. And how have you been feeling and educating yourself on everything that's going on? We'll start there. Definitely feeling a wide range of emotions from very different emotions from in the beginning, you know, being surprised, being shocked, being absolutely disgusted. And like, just from the beginning of seeing that video, I didn't know there would be a huge movement or I didn't know how people would handle it. And as the days went by, seeing more people speak up, seeing protests come out, the emotions have kind of just been of an awakening of actually realizing what the problem has been this entire time. And as someone who's white, you know, waking up to the white privilege that I've been ignorant to and just feeling everything that we've kind of suppressed throughout the years. But mostly, I've kind of put my own emotions on pause to just pause and listen to the Black community and actually put myself in a place where I can feel their emotions for once and actually listen to them. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it, I, I agree with you. I, 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 we all saw the same horrific video. And I'm almost ashamed to say this, but I, 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 my heart sunk when I saw it. But it wasn't a new video to me. I just had flashbacks of a video of Eric Garner and what happened with Sandra Bland and what happened with Tamir Rice. And th- we've seen videos like this over and over and over again. And like you said, I had no idea that it was going to, this was like the last straw on the camel's back. Um, and I had no idea that it was going to break out into this movement. And I think it's long overdue. But I want to say I've been ignorant to how bad it's been for sure for the black community. And I, now I'm just starting to think about walking down the street. Even when I was with my friends yesterday and we were walking, if we were black and we were in a black community, how many times could we walk down the street without getting stopped by the police? Like that is what seems like it's there every day of the over-policing in this community and what I'm hearing and what I'm understanding I think because it hasn't been a direct impact in my life, you know, I haven't had to deal with racism or injustice because of the color of my skin. It just hasn't been a, and I'm ashamed to say this, but it hasn't been a big enough problem for me to want to take action for all of these years because I wasn't directly affected. And now I'm awakening it. It's not about me, but it's looking at how have I lived my whole life without really truly taking a look at how bad the system has been right like and the system has been horrible since the beginning of america and i don't know if you've watched have you watched the documentary 13th i started it oh my god i haven't gosh. finished it it is i i need to watch it again but it is the most you just have this pit in your stomach after you watch it at how you've been so at least for me, when I say you, I mean me, like, how have I been so ignorant to everything that's been happening? And it came out in 2016. And it might as well have come out yesterday. Like, that's how relevant it is. Some of the stories that you hear about the people 
that, you know, in the black community that have been killed, that have been put in jail. One of them that really, really stuck with me that just made me so angry is Khalif Browder. Have you heard of Khalif Browder? So he was, I'm going to read his little bio that I wrote down, but he he was an African-American from the Bronx in New York. And he was held at Rikers Island Jail without trial for allegedly stealing a backpack between 2010 and 2013 when his family was unable to make bail. He was in solitary confinement for two of these three years. The first year he was getting beat up by everyone, like getting into fights, suffering a lot of mental health issues. And then the last two years he was in solitary confinement. And what happened was, and this is a, this is a reoccurring story that I'm finding that's happening in poor communities that our prison system is really, it favors people that have money. It does. And if you're not able to make bail, even if you're innocent, you have to stay in jail. And what happened was he wasn't willing to say, I'm going to do a plea bargain for three years versus 15 years because I'm not guilty. I did nothing wrong. I didn't commit a crime. So he was willing to go to trial, but because his family and him couldn't make bail, he had to stay in prison for three years, not guilty of committing any crime. He suffered so much trauma and so much abuse in prison that when he finally, they just dropped all the charges after three years because they had nothing to hold him against. He wasn't guilty of anything. And shortly after he was released, he committed suicide because of all of that. And I just get choked up, like thinking about that, like feeling the pain of how many people are incarcerated or been abused by the police or have been like, if that was a white person, the whole country would have been infuriated about it. But because it's a person of color, it's kind of just like swept under the rug. And it's just such a common thread and a common story and a common reoccurring story. And the only reason that we even know Khalif Browder's story is because he was unwilling to accept the plea bargain for something that he wasn't guilty for. But how many people have just accepted going to prison for crimes that they didn't commit because these prosecutors have told them it's either 15 years in prison or three years because you accept this plea bargain. But if you go to trial, like we're going to make sure that you get guilty. And that is what is continuing to happen. And so it just it makes me so emotional because it's so much more than just over policing and police brutality. It's a whole system of mass incarceration, the war on drugs of like all of these things that have targeted the black community and they have been suppressed from opportunities and from the same rights and freedoms that we've had the privilege to experience and not even have to worry about. And I, I think right now, more than anything, it's our duty to step up and do better. Like now that we've had this mass collective awakening as a country, I think this is beyond anything that we've had in the past. I'm okay with getting it wrong. I'm okay with realizing that I have no freaking clue what I'm doing, but I'm here and I'm going to do better and be better. And I understand I'll never understand from a first person perspective, but I do think as humans, we have the gift of empathy and understanding and trying to feel what they're feeling. And then you get angry and then you get upset. And then we take that, all of those emotions and we do something productive with it and we take action. And so I know you've been educating yourself and you've been hearing these stories from the black community and listening. And I think that's a beautiful thing and it's a necessary thing. We need to listen. What have you been learning, I guess, is the best way or some, some ways that we can start taking action and be true allies to the black community? 
So definitely, I think the first step is becoming aware that as white people, we have this privilege that we don't need to be constantly worrying about the system because it's favoring us. So definitely being aware. And the one thing that has helped a lot, and I've heard, you know, from other Black creators creating how to help and all of this is the main thing is that they're tired of telling us what we have to do. And our responsibility as people who are privileged is to become aware and definitely go into our own biases and our own perspectives and ways that we've been ignorant to the whole situation because it's more than just policing, it's more than just them being afraid of the police they're also afraid of going out there and trusting white people and having to think that a lot of the things that happen to them is because of their skin color. Mm -hmm. So being aware of biases in ways that we have maybe been ignorant, a lot of people just say, oh, I'm not racist. It's not my problem. And the first step is to become aware that just passively saying I'm not racist is part of the problem. It's committing to becoming an anti-racist. So one is becoming aware of what is white privilege? What is white supremacy? What is all this stuff that we were not taught in school? Two is then looking at our biases and looking at ways we've been subconsciously racist. Maybe we have black friends, but do we have the space to listen and to honor them for the pain that they go through on an every single day basis. People are like, oh, I have black friends. I'm not racist, but it's way more than that. It's not about just some people saying, I don't see color, so I love everyone. But no, it's honoring, stepping back and appreciating how much struggle they go through every single day and making room to allow that into our lives, not just, oh, I'm not racist, so it's not my problem. And then having the conversations with yourself, asking yourself, and it's hard. It's sad when you pause to think, how have I been racist? Or what have I seen before that I never stood up? Or what jokes did I hear in school that, you know, I didn't think were a big problem? Becoming aware of the whole bigger picture of racism and how we are born into the system. And then having the conversations, calling up your friend, asking how they're doing, talking about it, because we can't avoid the conversation anymore. That's where the problem is. And I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of people right now are turning to social media and thinking that it's all about the posting and, oh my gosh, if I post, then, you know, amazing post, but it's all the work that comes off when we're not posting, when we're thinking and when we're actually looking on how to take action to move forward because there's going to be a point where the trend goes down and then we go back to our everyday. But if we continue to put in that work every day to be anti-racist and to stand up and to listen to our black community and understand and choose to understand really what they go through, then we can really make a big difference. I agree a hundred percent. And I think what is so different about this movement is that this is the first time where I've actually had these uncomfortable, real conversations with my friends and with my family, right? We've seen other police brutality videos and, and the injustices, but this is the first time that it's really sparked deep conversation with a lot of my friends and we're, we're talking about it now. To me, that like those conversations, yeah, you can make a social media post and you can reshare someone's, someone's wise words. But to me, when you're having those conversations with your friends and, and realizing how much white privilege, like, you know, I, I look at my friend group, at least today, you know, and it's not to say that I don't 
have any black friends. I definitely do. But a lot of my close friends were all white. And I'm going to just group everyone that's not black with white. You know, like if you have a lighter skin color, but you're Asian or you're Mexican, like you're, you're probably more privileged. Right. And for me, like I'm not white, but I've definitely experienced white privilege because I'm not black. And so when we're having these conversations and and talking about how we've all experienced white privilege and how we've all been so ignorant to it and just realizing that I think is that first step, like you said, awareness, like becoming aware of one, how have we had these biases our whole life where maybe we've held our purse a little bit tighter when we're walking past a black person or judge someone because of the color of their skin. And I would even go to say a lot of us, we've never taken action on that. We never spoke out about that, right? Like I personally would never consider myself a racist, but when I look back and I'm having that self-reflection with myself, I'm like, there's definitely been those times where I've had preconceived judgments and biases because I have this judgment that I might not be safe because of the color of their skin. And I'm ashamed to say that, but it's doing that work. And now I'm becoming aware of those thoughts that weren't even conscious in my mind in the past. But now I'm doing the work to become aware and saying, okay, like where did these thoughts and these beliefs come from? You know, and a lot of them come from our childhood. A lot of them come from our parents' own beliefs and not necessarily because our parents were racist, but just because there's been this narrative that has been taught to a lot of us criminals that are black and that you need to be afraid. And it's a combination of all these things. Like I said, the first step I think is becoming aware and having those conversations and then seeing how we can better educate ourselves, better empathize, better listen and see what we can do to take action. Like you said, like this is beyond over-policing. This is beyond police brutality. This is a whole system that has oppressed the black community since the beginning of time. Sometimes it feels overwhelming when you look at it from that perspective of like a whole system that has favored white people. At least for me, like after watching that documentary 13th, and I loved it because it brought so much awareness, it shared stories, and it made you really realize the big picture and the problem. But at the end of it, it doesn't give you any actionable steps that you can do to make change. What can I do to actually make sustainable change? I know you can make posts on social media. You can have these conversations with your friends. You can sign petitions. You can go to protests. And I think the first step when you look at like the civil rights movement, it starts with a lot of pressure from the masses. But when you look at policies, when you look at laws, when you look at our elected officials, that to me, I'm like, voting really matters in that sense. But I wanted to ask, what do you feel like is the biggest needle movers in the right direction? Yeah, definitely if you do the research. But the problem is that a lot of us don't do the research. I personally myself have no idea, except, you know, like the main candidates that are running for president. It's our job to do the research. I know when you're in school, like I remember middle school, they would make you write down the candidates and like learn, but we have to go on our own. Yeah, yeah, when we were in school, but we have to go on our own. I'm sure if we search up, there's like government websites for the voting. There's not a lot out there. You kind of have to trust certain websites that you see that have put it together for you. but if there's anyone that's listening to this that is in that is more politically active, one thing that you can do, someone that's very more politically active, is 
start connecting with people in, in that area and see how can you use your knowledge of voting and the political system to create more transparency for elected officials and how we vote. November is going to be a really, really big election for the whole country. I think to have something like that on those sites would be huge. And I'm all for protests. I'm all for having those conversations. But we can't ignore the fact that the people that are elected matter and in, in moving this and in listening to us. Taking that responsibility into our own hands to educate ourselves when we vote is crucial if we want to make a change. And I know a lot of us, at least for me personally, like we get lazy when it comes to voting. So I really want that message to go out to anyone that's listening that feels like, I don't know what to do. Your vote definitely matters. <sighs> One question that I wanted to ask is I know that you said you've been doing a lot of self-reflection as well. What has been your biggest aha moments or awakenings as you've been doing that inner work with yourself? Yeah, definitely is sitting back and asking yourself the questions you've been avoiding. So, you know, have I been racist or anti-racist and then going down you know getting to the problem of maybe how you've been contributing to the problem so do i have black friends who can call me and tell me how they feel on an everyday when they're feeling all these shame and guilt from you know what we've been ignoring no i haven't so maybe what can i do to make more space to actually go and create it's it's all of us individually Yes, voting is super important. But at the end of the day is when we go down and we reflect, we're able to make a ripple on everyone around us too. Because once we're more aware and we're going out there and realizing how we've been contributing to the problem. So as I said, journaling. Um, then going down and asking, you know, what points in my life have I held beliefs and biases against black people even if it was the slightest remarks or the slight not even remarks but like thoughts mm -hmm. and as you said earlier like feeling ashamed that's completely normal we can all we should all be feeling ashamed of times where we've felt you know certain ways or acted a certain way but the problem is we need to turn that shame into um Convert that shame rather than sit with the shame, turn it into action mm -hmm. and bring aware that belief. Why do I feel ashamed and what can I take? What's the next step that I can take? So as we mentioned, having the conversations, but also, you know, being more active, not only in actually talking to black people, listening to them rather than turning the other way, which a lot of people tend to do and say, that's not my problem or I'm just not like that. So ask yourself, what are you avoiding? And then face it head on rather than be ashamed and ignore it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't think feeling shame and staying in shame is productive at all. I think feeling it and becoming aware and then converting that into productive action, just like I don't think sitting in anger and frustration is productive either. Like I know a lot of us are outraged by what we're realizing we've been ignorant to, but just being angry and outraged and then not doing anything about it doesn't help anyone, right? We need to take action on it. And it goes so much more beyond making posts on social media. You know, I think that's a great step, but it's, it's so much more than just making a post on social media. It's having those conversations, having that self-reflection, and then listening 
and seeing how we can be the best allies in this movement. One question that I wanted to ask you, and I don't know if this is relevant to you, it's not really relevant to me. So I wanted to hear from your perspective, but do you have any family members or friends or people that you know that either have really strong biases against the black community or are outright racist? And if so, how have you dealt with it and spoke about it? Yeah, so I wouldn't say I have someone who's like straightforwardly racist, but I think the problem is when people don't know that they're being racist. So I was having a conversation mm-hmm. with a family member asking, you know, do you, are you aware of what's going on? What can we do? And they were like, I'm not racist. I've never been racist. I have black friends. And the thing is that that's not my problem. They've been fighting like that. But at the end of the day, they're the ones making um, problems and this, this. And I just pause and I'm like, that is exactly what it means to be racist and avoiding it. Because the moment we dismiss something and say, that's not, I don't have anything to do with it, we are avoiding it. So what I did, and I think that the most helpful way is to step back and separate our emotions from the point that we're trying to share and try to be understanding so what I did was I was not upset at that person I was not like oh my god they're so ignorant I paused and I said all right they were probably raised racist they probably had all these biases imposed on them and so I kind of just brought it up and said well you know saying I'm not racist doesn't solve the problem and kind of change the conversation to actually bring up what matters the most. So I, we talked a little bit, this person's really hard headed. So I changed the conversation and I'm going to continue to talk to them little by little mm-hmm. and just understanding this. Time. And when we aren't trying to understand the other person, it's easy to create conflict. So definitely understanding that their biases come from another place but our responsibility isn't to shut them off and I think the problem is when people are so easy to call someone else ignorant oh leave me alone we have different opinions bye don't talk to me we block off that space for allowing them to actually learn so if it's someone in our family and we have time to talk to them over and over definitely know that this process takes time and it's not just one conversation that's going to change their viewpoint so accepting that and doing what we can each day to you know open up their perspective a little bit educate them a little bit but it's difficult especially when they actually change the conversation and said oh, that, that's going on. But, you know, in the other sides of the world right now, I forgot what country they're like, they don't have food right now. They try to change the problem to something else. Just making sure the problem comes back to what it is that we're all facing, which is racism. And just being patient with these conversations and trying to understand the other person as much as we can while doing our part to educate. I agree with that 100%. And I think understanding, like really understanding that a lot of, beliefs that we've we have we don't even realize where they come from and a lot of beliefs that people that might be racist or have these biases you know not like outright racist but just have these biases of oh well the black communities are violent anyways and that's why they need over policing and all of this stuff like those come from beliefs that they probably were raised with you know and have just been passed down or by the media portraying this narrative that these black communities are violent. And I think the best that we can do is understand and listen 
But to me, when you're trying to attack someone, it's so emotional, right? We're so passionate about this topic. And sometimes you just want to like shake people and like wake them up and be like, don't you see, don't you understand? But when you take that stance and you're, you're aggressive about it and they feel attacked, they feel like you're trying to attack them and tell them that they're wrong in their beliefs, they just get defensive. And they close off any opportunity for change. And that is my biggest tip is that you, you want to come from a place of love and understanding and know that it's not going to be one conversation that's going to shift it. What inspires me, I guess, the most in this movement is that I'm seeing those conversations start to happen you know, openly on social media when we're having just the fact that we're doing a podcast like this and talking about it. Would I have just done this two years ago out of nowhere if it wasn't? Probably not, right? And so I think the best thing that we can do is not just say we're committed, but actually doing the things and doing the work and having those difficult conversations and realizing that you might not get someone to change their perspective in one conversation. You know, it's going to be multiple conversations, listening, hearing them, understanding. And I think we all need to be better listeners, right? Better listeners and understanding our values. Because as you said, people aren't going to change their mind right away. But if we're dealing with someone who's blatantly racist and rude and doesn't want to listen to you, then that's when we look into our values and see who we're surrounding ourselves with and continue to you know, go with our values and stand up for what's right. I think even those people that are blatantly racist, it's, it's hard. Like I've been seeing a lot of those videos of these racist people just coming out and it, it, it disgusts me. It does. It truly disgusts me. And I have to realize that all of those beliefs were taught to them. Some of them don't know and they don't hear any other perspectives. I truly believe that hate is a learned behavior, especially like hate when it comes to color of your skin. Right. I don't think babies come out of the womb racist against other other kids. I think racism is a learned behavior. It's a it's a belief that's passed down. It's hard to see those things, but I also have to understand that they may have never seen an, or heard another perspective. You know, I've never actually come across someone that's blatantly racist in I person. Have. You have. So how did you deal with that? I have, and this was my ex-boyfriend's roommate, random, really good friend of ours actually, became good friends of ours for two years, and he was blatantly racist, and I didn't understand it. So when I came across this guy and his jokes and his literal like hateful comments, I would kind of just look at him and be like, oh, you're racist, and like brush it off and like continue the conversation. But today, like now with everything that I've been educating myself on, if I come across him, I will completely just not, even now I've chosen not to talk to him because a lot of people, not only have they learned to be racist, but they're also so emotionally unavailable to themselves that they need stuff to hate on. They need Mm -hmm. to feel superior to other people. And that's where it's a sickness. That's where people, did you see the people doing the George Floyd challenge? No, no. There was these white kids literally doing a George Floyd challenge, taking pictures, putting their knee on someone 
someone else pretending to be the cop. And those pictures were circulating the internet. And that's the perfect example of these white supremacists who just need to hate and need to feel superior to others. And that's a serious sickness. That's something that they thrive off the hating. They thrive off of shaming other people and just having all that negativity. It's, it's a sickness. And, you know, we choose to associate with people who are racist and I'm not and do our part because that's that's so sad those photos that I saw yeah it's some of the stuff I've been seeing like I said it just it makes you angry it makes you disgusted it makes you just like so many emotions that sometimes I that are so new to me you know that I'm like I don't even know what this emotion is I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I'm sad all at the same time and I'm just like I don't even know what this emotion is but it, it you feel it sometimes in your body a lot of the times like the stuff I've been seeing I actually feel it physically in my body because it's just so strong that to me is making me realize like this has been something that I have just been pretty much ignoring because I haven't been directly impacted and directly affected it just hasn't even come to the front of my my thoughts and my mind. And I haven't been really looking into it. And, and like I said, that documentary, I can't recommend it enough, 13th. But it, the fact that it came out in 2016, and I'm like, this might as well come out yesterday. It's that relevant. And so what I want to ask as we're kind of coming to an end of this podcast episode is what if, if you found books or documents or resources or influencers that you feel like have been really helping educate you and understand this issue and understanding the actions that we we can take like what have been some of your favorite resources that you've found so far definitely the first resource that really caught my attention was a beginner's guide and a white people guide to anti-racism and it starts by explaining white privilege and going just down the ladder into a whole lot of stuff that we are not aware of. So that guide, it's in my Instagram bio. I can mm-hmm. send it to you if you want to link it to the show notes. Okay. Also, Sean King has been very super informative with everything going on. And then a whole list of other influencers who are mostly black because I've been mm-hmm. listening to them nonstop to hear their voice that I could also send you some links if you'd want to. Yeah, share. if you can send me some links of their videos and stuff like that. Um, and I think hearing all different people in the black community because what I've started to realize is that they all have their own opinions on how we should go about this as well right? It's not just like everyone in the black community is on the same page, just like Mm -hmm. everyone and all the communities have different opinions on how we should go about that. And I think also understanding that there's multiple lanes in this revolution, right? There's some people that are going to be leaders. There's some people that are going to be political activists. There's some people that are going to be in the streets and on the front lines for these protests, right? Everyone's going to take their own lane. Some people are going to be having these conversations intimately with other people. So understanding that there's multiple lanes for people to participate. And I wanted to link something in the show notes as well, where it talks about revolutionary change and how there's all these different types of personalities that contribute and understanding that you don't have to take all of them to make your part and make a change. We all show up in our own different ways. And I think that's something that I struggled with overwhelming is like, 
I don't know how to do this at this point. Like I've never been educated on this, but we all have our own different roles and we can't just try to serve as like everyone else is doing. Like we need dancers. We need people creating art right now. We need all kinds of people. We can't just drop what we're doing to try and do you know figure out what works for you if you're educating yourself and you want to leave go for it if Mm -hmm. that doesn't work for you go for something else go to the protest like Mm -hmm. so important yeah everyone has a different path in this or a couple different paths and I think understanding that and what I've seen a lot and what we talked about before this podcast was a lot of the shaming into posting people are calling other people out for not posting on social media and To me personally, I understand our voices are important. I understand that. But social media is one medium for your voice. And and I just did not agree with those type of attacks and the shaming and the posting. I think the best way is to lead by example and to inspire action and not ridicule others for where they're at. Because some people are just now like really, really becoming awake to the problem and they're trying to process everything. They're trying to learn and they're trying to educate. And just because they haven't made a post on social media doesn't mean that they're not trying to do their part to educate and take action. I am very open to feedback. I understand that even everything that I said right now, I could look back six months from now and be like, wow, Tori, like you really got it wrong there. Like you really had no idea what you're talking about, right? Like I understand. At least you started. Yeah. And I understand like when you're talking about things that you aren't educated about, that you are just uncovering yourself, you're going to get it wrong. Right. And so I'm taking full ownership that like everything that I say, it's what I feel is truthful and right right now. But it doesn't mean that I'm not going to learn down the road and realize, you know what, like I could have said that differently. I was not educated enough on this area. So I am open for feedback. I'm open for dialogue. I think that's important. But I do think that there's a way to go about it where it's peaceful and it's understanding and you can educate each other without trying to attack one another. So um, that's personally kind of what I've been seeing on social media is like people are angry and they're just trying to take out their frustrations on like everyone. And to me, that's just not the productive way to go about it if you want real change, right? I understand we're all, a lot of us are angry and a lot of us are, you know, have all of these emotions that have just built up all in, you know, the last two weeks, but we can change that into something positive, productive, and take meaningful action that's going to actually move the needle and not stunt the growth of this. So we'll link all the resources that we found in the show notes below, but is there any last remarks or lessons or things that you think would benefit the listeners? Yeah, definitely to not be afraid to feel all the emotions. Like if you're ashamed of something, if you're ashamed of not being educated right now, or maybe situations from the past, face it, face everything that you're feeling, get a paper, write it all out and really take action, whether it's physical action or within yourself to change the beliefs that you've been holding, to open space for other people and to actually feel the emotions right now of the black community and to really put yourself in a place where you're not contributing to the problem, but you're rather helping and helping us push forward because this is, this was much necessary what's going on right now. And we all need to awaken and do our part. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Erica. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, this was amazing. I think this is a much needed conversation and hopefully it helps a lot of people. And I will link all of those resources in the show notes as well. 
Thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of the High Vibe community. If you loved this episode, I would be so grateful if you could leave a review or take a screenshot and share it with a friend so more women can find this podcast. For more on me, visit torinishino.com or find me on social media just by searching my name. Until next time, friends, live your high vibe life.